Nick, it is episode number six of the Rise podcast, and I just realized that it is almost the end of June. Gosh, this year has just flown by, hasn't it? I know, I know. Right in the middle of the year, it's, it's, a, it's a great time to be alive in Melbourne. It is, it is. It's cold, it's chilly. It, well, that's describing the same thing twice, cold and chilly. Or is that two different things, cold and chilly? Chili is a little bit more towards the spectrum of freezing. Yeah, I'd, I'd say cold is is more colder than chilly. Like chilly is oh, like you know, right. if I'm oh, I'm just a bit chilly, but then cold is like oh, okay, I'm getting cold now. You know, oh. I think cold I think chilly sits cold. on like the spectrum, and then cold is like you know binary. It's like all right, it's either like hot or cold. You know. Well, people can comment <laughs> and let us know what they think. Oh gosh, but Nick, how you been? How's the past week been? Yeah, it is good. Everything is good. Um, everything is great. How about yourself? It's been uh, an eventful week in the the SCAF household. Uh, the boys had a nice bout of um, the 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 G the G from daycare. That was that was fun. So it was coming out of the 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 front end and the back end. So that was that was mm-hmm. a great time in the, the SCAF household. Um, but it's fine, we've survived. Uh, everyone's a little bit lighter because we've just passed everything out of us. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 just, it's just part, it's part of life, you know, it's something that we shouldn't be uh, afraid of and uh, it happens, right? So onwards and upwards, I say. Yep, yep. You, you can't be drinking any of your wine from your wine business while you've got gastro. Well, look, that's, that's one way to hydrate, right? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to wind up. Why not, Nick? True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, no, that's a little uh, side project, project of mine, uh, becoming a wine merchant. So um, you might you might see that pop up in the in the plans in the future, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Well, send me that plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, like briefly talking about like having a drink, like you're not a bad person if you have a a drink and you could certainly have a drink and get into um, decent shape, great shape, and, you know, in, really improve your, your fitness, um, especially if you portion it out appropriately. I think the problem lies is when we either, A, make it, a part of every single day like if you were to have a whole bottle of wine or a whole six pack or you know a whole bottle of scotch or whatever crazy each and every day okay you probably face some problems <clears throat> and then on the other extreme is if you like binge consume those products so if you you know don't drink for like months on end and then in one night you have like you know a whole six pack or the whole keg or like the whole bottle of wine okay you can face problems there so it's one is the consuming of the alcohol, and then the second part of it is the decisions we make when we are slightly intoxicated. So, you know, if there's any extra food that we have, if it disrupts our training session the next day, um, it might impede our recovery process. So, you know, there are some, um, you know, it's like a transaction. You know, we need to accept that, you know, there are some some side effects that happen if we do want to have a drink, but you're not a bad person. Um, I do enjoy the cultural side of having a drink. Um, and, you know, as I uh, slowly make my way through a bit of a, a makeshift sommelier course, um, it's been really fascinating to learn about, um, you know, the history of wine and how wine is, is, is produced and just the cultural side of it. So it can certainly be a a part of your life if you want it to be. It's not something that we need to put on the shelf and just completely back away. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I agree with you. Being Italian, I, yeah. I yeah. don't think that you know. I don't think it would be right That's to right. um not acknowledge <laughs> my my where from whence I've come. <laughs> well, look, if you do decide to pack the wine away, make sure you pack the wine uh, laying down, not not upright. Mm, because because of the sediment. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's a cork. If it's a cork, you want it to be laying down flat, not not sitting sitting upright. So um, there you go. There's a fun one for you. So if you do pack it away for a while, make sure it's laying down. That's why the wine cellars have it all laying down in mm. that way, right? Yeah. Got you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now um, you know. Welcome to our wine podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Now, um, you know, there was an interesting conversation about. Um, making decisions around food because of how it affects us, uh, especially when it comes to things like anxiety, depression, extra stress. Mm-hmm. And there was a interesting conversation around sugar, which we might touch on. Um, but I was also talking about alcohol and also about coffee and about removing some of these foods might actually improve 
you know, general health outcomes, especially in mental health. And, you know, we have started the conversation by saying like, hey, you know, wine is okay. But then on the flip side is if you are experiencing really, um, I use the word debilitating, um, you know, mental health challenges, you know, really challenging with anxiety, stress, uh, depression, um, you name it. And you do drink a lot of alcohol in the same way as if you drink a lot of coffee um, or a lot of processed foods, you might benefit from removing some of those foods from your diet and you might see some improvements. So um, it's all definitely on a, um, on a on a spectrum. And it re is really that saying of the doses of the poison where, you know, having one drink isn't, you know, terrible, but having all the drinks, uh, okay, that might not be great. And having all the drinks consistently, mm, that might be um, a, a maintaining factor to how you're feeling. So uh, just be cautious of that. Mm, definitely. Now, talking about sugar, uh, it really led into an interesting conversation about um, sugar and maybe the negative effects of sugar. Um, and this has actually come up a few times in the last week across different mediums in the RISE method, some on our social media, some on our forum, and some in the weekly check-ins. And I need to come out and say that, you know, sugar in isolation isn't a bad thing, right? It's, it's, it's a necessity in our body and our body uses sugar as a primary fuel source. Like our brain uses glucose, which is sugar. Our muscles uh, use glucose and glycogen, which is sugar stored in the muscle belly. And we use sugar as our main source of energy. And if we don't get sugar, we break down other parts of our body to turn it into sugar. And we call that gluconeogenesis. Gluco meaning glucose, neogenesis creation. So we might break down muscle, and we turn that into glucose or we break down um, fat cells into glucose, right? So we need glucose. So if we go through and say, oh, I want to cut out sugar in my diet completely, what you're essentially saying is you're trying to cut out the main energy source of your body, which is false. It, it needs to find sugar. The next thing you're saying is that all carbohydrate is broken down into sugar, right? So, you know, a sugar molecule would be one little dot and a carbohydrate might be multiple dots all linked together. Uh, and depending on how complex that carbohydrate is, you know, if it's a whole grain rice or if it's a bit of bread or if it's a bit of capsicum or an apple, it's all different like lengths and complexities. But our body breaks that down into little sugar molecules and we use that. So if you're saying, oh, I want to cut out sugar completely from my diet, you're essentially saying that you're cutting out carbohydrate completely from your diet cutting out an entire macronutrient group, which is limiting and probably not a good idea at, at all. We're losing all the micronutrients that come with that, all the fiber that comes along with that. And it's also really challenging, near impossible to completely cut out carbohydrate because carbohydrate makes up almost all the foods that we eat, unless you choose to go on like a, a carnivore diet, which is just problematic on its own. So it's limiting to say you're going to cut out sugars completely um, and it probably is not going to solve any problems. And if we are choosing on another side track to cut out sugars because of maybe uh, you know diabetes and like we spoke about last week, there's probably other sides of the conversation to be made about you know physical activity levels before we choose to just completely try to omit, abstain, get rid of it all, get rid of sugar. So sugar is not a bad thing is what I need to come out and say is that we're probably consuming carbohydrate and that excessive amounts of sugar or added sugar in processed foods might be where the problem is, not sugar on its own yeah, it's never sugar on its own because like we said you know who wants to eat a whole you know bunch of sachets of, of white crystal sugar it's mm. what it's mixed with yeah yeah it's when when sugar becomes friends with like butter and flour and mixed into mm. a cake mm. you know that mm, cake <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also the other thing I would like to say is um, why not try and do this in a way where you're not cutting anything in particular out, you're learning about how to manage, unless, you know, you've got something that, that needs to be looked at by a medical professional, but you're learning to manage every single element of what's going on and still getting the results that you're after. That means that you're you're then for the rest of your life able to, navigate the entire world you're not missing out 
um, you're not over consuming, you're not under consuming, you're, you can travel, you can um, understand that there'll be times when um, you're going to, you know, go crazy on one thing and not another, and then um, have, be very balanced, and it's all okay, and you can still understand how to manage your body composition within that. That is the holy grail, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree, Nick. And I think folks create lots of, uh, I guess, problems with their dieting approach when they make like a, a naughty and nice list, like a good and bad list or a healthy, unhealthy mm. list or foods I'm allowed to have, food I'm not allowed to have a list. Because as soon as we create something like that, even if it's on paper or even in our, in our eyes as, oh, this is clean food, this is, I don't know what the opposite of clean is in, in the dieting culture. Um, but as soon as we create that list, we almost fixate on that stuff that we are not allowed to have. Like if I say, okay, no more chocolate, you bet the thing I'm, thing I'm thinking about is, is chocolate. Or if for, in my case, no more hummus, oh God, I, I'm, I'm going to have some, some problems, right? Like as soon as I create that, I'm not allowed to have that list, then you face some, some challenges. So I think the big takeaway I want you to have with the RISE method in dieting culture is that um, you should be allowed to have whatever you want to have the main thing we're trying to do is just to portion out our foods appropriately and then making sure that it's not just a one-way ticket to consume the entire thing. So uh, in my case, you know, you don't buy a tub of hummus and then eat it with your hands. Um, you know, you use some utensils, portion it out appropriately. And you might be the same. You know, maybe your kryptonite is, is chocolate um, or cake or pizza or wine and that food is really tasty. Your challenge might not be just to completely abstain from that. It might be to make it a little bit more challenging to have those foods. So like we've spoken about in the past, maybe put those foods in a, in a different area of the house or you know, in a different cupboard or something um, you know, that's challenging to get to. So it's not just on the kitchen tables that you think about and look at it all the time. Uh, and then two, that you um, consume it in a way that you in, enjoy it. So it's not like you're mindlessly eating it in front of a TV while you're watching the latest thing on Netflix or whatever's going on. Um, you know, maybe you sit down and make it a, a process and a bit of a ceremony and you say, okay, I'm going to have my glass of wine, make a bit of cultural events, and I'm going to enjoy this one glass. And I'm not just going to sit there mindlessly and consume the entire bottle. I'm going to portion it out inappropriately in a glass and enjoy it, taste it. Uh, and that long-term leads to really sustainable fitness rather than really um, extreme dieting processes. Mm, definitely. Nick, talking about sustainability, that is the theme of the week this week as we move into week three of the RISE method. And so far we've gone through reevaluate the R, I we're implementing, S we're talking about sustaining. So it's all about how we can sustain what we are doing right now. And the main reason why we're talking about things like alcohol, talking about things like sugar, talking about things like the foods that we're quote, not meant to be really having in a dieting culture, it's about sustainability. What are you going to do to make this thing um, a lifelong process, right? And, you know, Nick, I was really thinking about it. Um, you know, fitness is just so ingrained into who I am. Um, I've almost, I've, I've almost stopped celebrating when I go and work out because it's just what I do. Right. And this is a really, really silly and dumb story. And <laughs> when I was in my late teenage teenage years, um, when my mom stopped telling me to, um, I got really bad at brushing my teeth in the evening. Okay. And I brush my teeth now. I'm not an unhygienic person, but I used to brush my teeth in the morning. And that was my routine, getting ready. I brush my teeth in the morning. But then in the evening, as you know, things got later and, you know, I got doing stuff in the, in the evenings and I just, you know, go to bed. I kind of forget to like brush my teeth and that type of thing in the, in the night, in the evening. Um, so it took a while for me to get that back into a habit and a routine as I moved through my later uh, teens into my twenties and, you know, practicing better, better hygiene. Right. Um, and I used to like force myself to celebrate and used to like tell people, oh, I brush my teeth at night or tell my mom, I brush my teeth at night. Rah, rah, rah. And then, you know, I stopped celebrating it because it's just something I do now. I brush my teeth at night and it's almost went through a similar journey with my fitness own fitness career where at the start I'd celebrate it. You'd tell my mom, mom, yeah, I'll go and exercise. Oh, mom, I went to the gym. Oh, mom, look at my, look at my biceps, mom. And now it's not something I truly celebrate. It's something that I just do. Um, it's, it's a very sustainable thing. Um, 
and of course you celebrate little wins here and there, but you know, every little step isn't like a big celebration. Uh, are, you, are you similar? Do you, do you celebrate yes. every, no, every part I'm of it similar. or do you just kind of, no. yeah. No, um, no, I, I go under the radar the best I can because, because I also don't want to draw attention to um, how often, uh, how much time I spend with training recovery, um, everything to do with, with with training i probably spend a little too much time on it um in the ratio so i want to go under the radar yeah yeah and i think this really speaks for that kind of long-term sustainable approach where um yeah of course we're in this honeymoon phase yeah of course it's really exciting that we're doing this fitness thing but it comes to a point where it's just part of who we are that is what makes it consistent and part of who we are is that we might not you know, put it up on a pedestal as like this big, massive thing that I'm doing. It's just something that I do, right? Um, and I don't know if that is a similar thing that everyone goes through, or maybe it's just you know you and I, because we're on maybe like that that decade long experience of of training. Uh, but I I I do think that it is part of that transition from yes, we start off make fitness exciting and we're making self accountable and we're setting goals and we're we're doing the 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 big dance of it all. Um, and then as we kind of in through the process of it all that's when we might like push some of that aside and consider it just like how we brush our teeth and we go well i no longer celebrate that i brush my teeth every night something that i just do you know I no longer celebrate that i floss every night something that i just do and same as like i don't celebrate when i you know eat a salad or drink some water or go to the gym it's just something that i that i do so maybe if we consider that is part of sustainability where we say, hey, is this something that I do now? It's part of who I am. That's something that we can make a a make it a long term thing. Yeah. Mm, mm, definitely. So some things I'd like you to consider this week for sustain, how we can make this sustainable is firstly, how are you actually measuring your progress? Okay. So how are you actually measuring that what you're doing is working? The plan that you've implemented, how are you actually going to measure that? And many folks out there who love to do things like uh, body girth measurements, and that's great, it's appropriate. Um, but you know, how are we actually measuring that? Are you taking the tape measure a few times or are you just doing it once? Uh, and recently I taught this to my cert three in fitness folks, um, and they would put the tape around someone's midsection, the tape was on an angle or it was it folded on itself and such, um, which led to really strange results. So if you are measuring your waist or your thighs or your hips or whatever you're doing, maybe measure it just uh, once, twice, three times and just average out the results. Could be a great way to measure, you know, body girth if you choose to measure your body girth. Some folks are loving to use their images as progress. Again, totally fine. Nick, you use images. I use images sometimes Mm -hmm. um, to measure progress. However, you need to appreciate that trying to take your photo every single day is like playing a game of a little bit of like where's Wally trying to find the differences and then t- even taking your photo maybe week to week or even heck maybe even month to month might be challenging to see some some significant progress unless you're rapidly losing weight yeah you can see some progress but if your goal is maybe more physique development improvements in fitness improvements in strength that photo won't show show that which uh if you are feeling a bit disheartened about that just remember that those photos might not show that right mm. yeah it takes a while and also if you're not if you're not used to looking for stuff or you know that you're not kind of in the body composition mentality then you're going to look at a photo and you're not going to be sure and then you're going to get discouraged as well so i like i think you know get yourself a good pair of um uh, cotton non-stretch jeans and that'll tell you but then i don't know because quad gains and glute gains mm, yeah that's the yeah. other thing like uh, I do think sometimes um, even clothes need to be taken with a grain of salt because if you're trying to grow a certain area, then of course certain pants aren't going to fit you anymore. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And sometimes that's a win. (laughs) Like if your goal is to lose weight, but then you buy a pair of pants and those pants are getting tight in different areas, like around the thighs or something, Mm. and you're like, ooh, yeah, I know because my quads are growing, my thighs are getting thicker, mm. and that's that's a win. Um, it's just it's just different reframes, you know. And now I'm excited when I outgrow clothes. So I'm like, great, I'm getting bigger. Um, or I feel disheartened when I don't fit as snugly in my clothes, maybe because I've just had some serious toilet time over the past week. 
and that's okay. So I know yeah. that can that can change quickly. So um, yeah, remember that that can that can be a positive thing. Um, and it can also change rapidly as well. If you're dehydrated, those clothes aren't going to be fitting as snugly. And if you've just had a pump, like Nick, if you went and did a leg session, um, mm-hmm. later that night those jeans aren't fitting because your quads are still pumped, your glutes are still pumped, and those those clothes are just 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 too tight. But then the next day it might be different. So just remember those those acute changes. Yeah, definitely. And um, try not to just use one thing, you know, try and just have an understanding also that if you're, if you're working hard, good things are going to happen. That's right. That's right. Nick, next question to you is, mm. is your training boring? Is your training monotonous? Do you find that? It, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't change. So it's, mm. I don't like, when people go mix it up, but I was just actually telling my mom today on our walk, I haven't mixed up my training for like 16, you know, years as in same kind of movement patterns and things, obviously variations of the movement, but nothing exciting. So I, I guess the answer is technically it should be boring. Um, it's just because I, it's, it's like, it's the only thing I know how to do these days. <laughs> it's not boring, but it should be because there's not much. I don't certainly stand on like a ball and, and juggle and, and go on, you know, nothing's exciting about it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think it's definitely like a, uh, a mindset approach to things like training where, mm. um, Sure. It's, sometimes it's fun to have all the bells and whistles. Like I love to go and train in a commercial gym and it's got like fun pieces of equipment there and I could, you know, use like a, a hack squat and, and even just a simple leg extension or a hamstring curl machine. Like that, that's fun. You know, there's, there's bells, there's whistles. It's like adding a bit of spice to your, your food. Uh, but the enjoyment that I get out of training is that sense of progression. Um, it's a little bit of an addiction is, is, is that sense of, okay, it's that next level, next level, next level. And sometimes folks, you know, do find training boring. We need to appreciate that. And they want to mix it up and try something new. Uh, but if that, if you're feeling that, okay, I'm getting a little bit bored of this program and we're in week three, you've done it for three weeks, uh, you know, we might need to reframe how we're approaching our training and we're looking for progression rather than maybe to um, completely demolish ourselves or trying to find the next, next best thing out there. And what tends to happen is if we do, find boredom in our programs, we start to do program hopping and program hopping isn't a great idea because that just means every two, three weeks, we're just changing up, trying something new, trying something new, trying something new. And it doesn't actually allow our body to adapt to those changes. Okay. Um, So think of it just like how you might be trying to save up some money. You're going to want to go on a holiday or maybe just buy a house or, or just uh, pay rent or whatever you're doing, trying to, try to save some cash, you might have a strategy that you implement. Okay, I'm going to maybe um, train from home. I'm going to uh, make my coffee at home, not buy that out. And I might go out to, um, you know, dinner once a month rather than once a week or whatever you decide to do. You could either try to change your strategy each and every time. Oh, I'm going to try to day trade and now I'm going to invest in some crypto and now I'm going to do some Uber Eats delivery to make some extra cash. And, you know, change it up here and there and there. But you might be better with just sticking to one strategy consistently over time rather than trying to swap and change, swap and change, swap and change. And it's the same with training. So be consistent. And if you're finding it boring, try to have a bit of a reframe and think about progression as what is exciting about training rather than trying to find the the latest trend on social media or looking for bells and whistles in your program. And the other thing is I'm not too sure whoever said that it has to not be boring or it has to be exciting. Why should you have to be excited doing it? Why? Mm. It's like brushing your teeth, right? Yeah. Do you need excitement for everything? Mm. Is that your problem? Do you need to have a think about that? Because some things are not exciting. Driving to places are not exciting. Sometimes you just have to do things and you've got to think about the ultimate destination. Ooh, the ultimate destination. Mm-hmm. No. Which doesn't exist in, in, in training because there's always more. <laughs> the old shifting goalposts. Mm. Nick, a few activities to do this week. Uh, number one is to think about challenges in the future. Um, that may arise and and try to brainstorm some solutions. 
So, you know, talking about sustainability and what are you going to do when a challenge comes up? That could be that, hey, you found yourself at your kid's birthday party and they're offering you a slice of cake. What are you going to do? Um, or maybe, you know, you're really busy on a particular day. You don't have time to go and train. What are you going to do? Or maybe you've uh, maybe injured yourself or maybe you're going on holiday or maybe you've got, um, you know, your gym closed down or something like what are you going to do? So just take a moment brainstorm mm. some potential challenges that might happen maybe some that are more short term like hey this is actually a, a likely challenge i'm going to face next week or next month and then maybe some fun made up ones like what i'm going to do when uh, aliens come and attack us uh, am i going to train and the training might be hey yes. i'm going to start doing some uh cardio endurance i'm going to, I'm going to run um maybe take we're going my... to teach them how to squat we're going to say what do you lift <laughs> and if they don't lift more than us then we win well look see they're they're coming to earth's gravity so either they'll be like uh superman and really overpowered or they will have no strength so either one or the other we are dealing with superman as an alien or we are just going to wipe them out with gravity sweet that's that's my that's my my theory there you go let's um invent a rise method video game <laughs> We're either training the aliens or taking on the aliens. I can get around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and look, another task to consider is about how you can um, make changes again to your environment to make this fitness thing easier. So that could be to um, consider some meal prep. So you take some time at the start of the week to prepare your meals so that it makes it much easier for you. Or maybe you modify your kitchen to allow for more preparation for foods. One challenge I had when I was living in a share house is I didn't have much fridge space. So uh, I didn't have, I used to jam pack all my, my meal prep and even just like fruits and veggies into the, the fridge. Um, so I needed to chat with my roommates and end up getting just a, a second fridge so I can store some more things in there. So it just took a little bit of changing in my environment to make it work for me. So consider what you can do in your environment to make this fitness thing easier. One thing that we've done for a really long time is to have the dogs lead at the front door with um, just a pair of thongs or flip-flops, wherever you're listening to this from. Um, so when it when I feel like taking little Frankie for a walk, everything's at the front door. I don't need to go and rummage and try to find her lead or some shoes or anything like that. It's just, all right, just we're going to the front door. We're going now, like right now, out we go. Dog, lead, out shoes are done mm. um so we made it really really easy to get my steps up so think about what you can do to make your environment really easy to do this damn fitness thing yeah it even includes um stuff like if, if you listen to podcasts where are your headphones you know make sure that they're that they live with your coat and um that kind of thing because it can even in your mind you can go okay perfect everything's together and it's time to leave so mm. just all your little accessories that you need. Yep. Yep. So true. Mm. Nick, a um, couple of quick points about the rise method. So a few questions this week about if the programs will change. So the training plan, meal plan um, programs and from week six. So we have a five week program, weeks one to five. And then from week six, um, there'll be some slight tweaks to the um, training plans and the meal plans. That doesn't mean that you can't change your training plans if you um, want to or your meal plans if you want to. Um, and that doesn't mean that you need to, uh, you have to change. You can just stick to where you are. So there will be some slight um, updates to those programs um, over the, the next few weeks as we move into week six, so just a couple of weeks ago. Next, we're getting lots of questions about the leaderboard and points. Um, so there is a leaderboard in the membership area, so you can collect points by um, making posts, uh, commenting, liking, completing courses, watching videos, getting certificates, that type of thing. Now the points is um, just like that game, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Maybe you, you know of it, Nick, you know that show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, I've heard of it, but tell me. Yeah, it's it's kind of like improv style mm. of, of mm, things. That's, like, yes, it's funny, yeah. isn't it? And it's it's, it's mm. quite funny. Um, and the line is, uh, you know, where uh, the points don't matter. Everything's made up, the points don't matter. And that's the same. So the leaderboard, the points don't reflect or mean anything. It's really just bragging rights. Um, it's just a feature that was on our website. I turned it on. And some folks have found a contribution points on our Facebook group as well. Again, doesn't mean anything points made up um i think with facebook again it's just a feature from facebook and as you collect points you can earn a badge against your name 
for when you're posting in the group, people can see a little badge saying you're that you are a top contributor. Uh, so if that's important to you that you want to get into the top 10 leaderboard or get a top contributor badge, um, yeah, you can make some points and you get some comments and likes and you can uh, get that social proof. Um, but it's also not important, especially for the uh, All-Stars celebration. We're not choosing folks from how many points they receive. So don't feel pressure to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, other updates coming. Um, I'm in the process of launching Fit Start, which is a beginner's guide to training um, and exercise. And you can find that in the courses area of the membership site. So we have Nutrition 101, and there's already been um, a couple of hundred of you who've completed that course and got the certificate. So make sure you go and complete the quiz and get the certificate. And there's also um, now Fit Starts, which is being launched. Uh, you can actually do the quiz right now, and you can um, download the handbook right now. Uh, there's just no um, videos for that. So all the information is in the handbook if you are more of a visual reader, learner, um, and you can do the quiz, you get a certificate, happy days, uh, or you can wait for the um, video content to come out and you can go through that course as well. Everybody's very, very lucky that uh, there are so many different things that are available to them. It's very, very good. Yeah, look, there's lots in the pipeline. Um, the 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 next thing which we're launching in a in the next couple of uh, days, most likely today actually, is um, a new recipe booklet. We have forty smoothie recipes, all with um, some photos and um, uh, how to make it, put it together, and all that good stuff. So that's being launched probably today. Um, that you can thank Laura for that, who put it all together. So a new recipe book, and we have three other ones in the pipeline as well. Um, one for our um, plant-based folks, one for more uh, weight loss recipes, and one for more muscle gaining, higher calorie recipes. So they're all coming in the next uh, couple of weeks, hopefully out by the end of this challenge or uh, ready for the, the next challenge to kick off in, in a couple of months. That's awesome. Good job. Nick, I want to take a moment to talk about bloating. Mm. Talk about blo bloating. Uh, a couple of folks experiencing some challenges with bloating um, over this week. And I thought I'd give you a quick rundown about what to do if you are bloating or bloated. Okay. Okay. So, Nick, have you experienced bloating in your life? Of course. Right? I've yeah. experienced bloating. You've experienced bloating. The first thing we need to appreciate is that bloating is perfectly normal and it can happen at almost any time. Okay. So yeah. if you are if you are bloated, um, it's okay. Bloating passes. Uh, it could be for a range of reasons. We'll talk about a few of them today. Um, but if you are consistently experiencing bloating and it's very painful and it's interrupting your quality of life, it's best to go and visit a, a healthcare professional, someone like a dietitian or even your GP might be able to help you. Uh, because bloating can be caused by things like um, IBS, IBD, um, food intolerances, and other bowel-related issues. So if you are experiencing very frequent, very painful um, bouts of bloating, best to go and get it uh, assessed appropriately, and then you can get a better understanding of what's going on, all right? Mm. And also don't confuse blo feeling bloated with actually just being full from eating as well. I That's right. To put that out there. Yeah. yeah. So first things first, it can be totally normal. Second is don't panic. <laughs> if you're bloated, bloating, don't panic. Yes, I've just spoken about uh, a few uh, more serious conditions, um, but you know, don't panic, right? It, it, it's going to be okay. Usually passes quite quickly. And, you know, we, we might have a very benign reason why it's happening, right? Next, it's you, you, you need to be careful that you don't start blaming foods without evidence. Okay. So one member in their weekly check-in was saying that, oh, I'm bloated. I'm going to cut, cut my carbs. Um, and that decision was probably not made with much evidence or rationale. It was like, okay, what, what, what carbs, what, what are you talking about? why are you doing this? So if you are one say, oh, I'm bloated, I'm going to cut out A, B, C, X, Y, Z without taking any evidence, um, make sure that you take a moment, maybe do a review, maybe start a food diary, maybe have um, some better understanding of what might be causing those the, the, that bloating experience, okay? Which leads into things like, let's say, one of the common causes of bloating, which is um, 
foods within the FODMAPS group. Nick, are you familiar with FODMAPS? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so FODMAPS, six letters, F-O-D-M-A-P. It will stand for different types of uh, carbohydrate sugars, right? So different types of sugars. And for some folks, we have a hard time um, digesting, you know, one of those types of of sugars, right? And what we can do is systematically go through like an elimination diet and test um, each one of those sugars. And, you know, these are sugars that are found maybe in, in, in carrots or in eggplants or in broccoli. And, you know, we would slowly introduce these foods into our diet and see if that's what triggers our bloating experiences. So um, when we talk about evidence and saying, okay, do I just cut out, um, you know, this food group or these foods, we need to test if it's actually the the, the problem point. So FODMAPs um, is, is something that certainly we can experiment with. And there's some really cool apps like the Monash FODMAPs app that you can uh, download. And as you input food, you can um, put a little smiley face or an unhappy face about how you're feeling. And then through the algorithm, it can start to predict, okay, it might be these types of sugars that are causing those symptoms. So make sure you go check that one out if you haven't already. Um, and if you never heard of FODMAPs, go check that one out, F-O-D-M-A-P, FODMAP. Um, you can just Google it and it might give you a bit of information. Hmm. Next, when we're collecting information, um, it's best to use uh, either like a, a, a both of a, a quantitative and a qualitative description. So one member was saying like, oh, I feel heavy when I eat this food. And it's a tricky one because well, what does that mean when you say you feel heavy? Like, of course you feel heavy because you're just eating food, you are heavier because you now have a meal inside of your stomach, right? And that's a very literal way to describe that. So, you know, it might mean that you need more descriptive words and saying, I feel heavy, might saying like, okay, my stomach feels distended or maybe I feel bloated on a scale of like three out of 10 or a seven out of 10 or something like that. So think about how you're collecting your information maybe using a mixture of qualitative and quantitative words and numbers um, to describe what the symptoms that you're experiencing is probably a good one. Mm. Nick, still talking about different foods that might be causing some challenges. Um, of course, we have our friends like gluten and lactose, both are um, carbohydrates, they're sugars, they, they are very complex in nature and it takes a bit of time to digest those foods. So there are some folks that would say, oh, I'm celiac meaning that they are essentially allergic to gluten and you might not be allergic per se, you might be just a little bit sensitive to it. So gluten sensitivity definitely is a thing. Celiac disease is very, very rare, very small percentage in the epitomology. Um, so there's a high chance that you might be experiencing some sensitivity rather than uh, straight old intolerance. So think about gluten, think about lactose, very common causes of um, bloating. Like for me, if I have, um, lots of lactose, I definitely feel it, which is why I turn to things like um, whey protein isolate when I have a protein powder, um, because whey protein concentrate causes me um, a little bit of distress. So think about those types of changes if you know about them. Final point around food is to review fiber and protein intake. So some folks who are really heavy on protein intake, maybe greater than three grams per kilo of body weight, might be experiencing some gastric distress, bloating experiences, and also high fiber diets, you know, beyond like 50 grams of fiber per day, which is quite high. You might also have a bit of a hard time with bloating. Okay. Yeah. Now, talking about a few other reasons, which might be more behavioral. Firstly, you may simply be eating your food too quickly. So if you are eating and you're just taking, kind of just shoving the food in your mouth, <gasps> like so eating all the food, you might be just swallowing lots of air. Okay, so that's the first thing that we need to appreciate is that we're eating too fast or if you're eating um, unmindfully. So if you're just watching TV and you're just shoveling food in your mouth, you might be swallowing lots of air. So that's the one straight reason why you might be um, bloated is just you're, you're consuming too much air. And it, almost, also, it could also be... Um, a part of the way we're talking. So if I'm talking in this podcast, maybe I'm really talking a lot, maybe I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I might be swallowing lots of air, I might be bloated even though I haven't eaten any food, I've just eaten lots of air. So just consider that air can play a part of it as well. Oh, not air. Not Gosh. air, oh no. Everyone's going to stop having air. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean by it could be very normal. So it might be mm. something completely unrelated to your food intake that might be causing that bloating experience. Mm. Um, 
Next could be carbonated drinks. So if you're one to like, you know, soda water or maybe some Diet Coke or something like that, those that carbonation might be causing some bloating and then some flatulence. So consider that as well. And then finally, there are some um, products, stimulants out there that are recommended to not have on an empty stomach. You know, you've seen some of them, maybe um, like a pre-workout, don't have it on an empty stomach, um, even coffee as well. You know, having some products like coffee on an empty stomach can cause a bit of distress and um, cause some bloating effects. So if you are experiencing lots of bloating, maybe have some food. Uh, if you are gonna have, let's say a coffee, instead of having it on an empty stomach, first thing in the morning, maybe have some food with that, you might might solve a lot of your problems. And finally, things like water. Again, um, water can help with the digestion process inside our stomach, which can, can limit, uh, limit some bloating effects. So if you are really dehydrated, um, that might be a cause as well. Now, finally, Nick, um, if you are experiencing your cycle, remember that uh, that can be the cause of bloating either before or after or during your cycle, depending on your own experiences as well. So you can't forget that that comes through, but I don't have that experience. So that's not on my list. I don't think. I promise you, <laughs> we forget every month. Like most people, most of us just go, oh, this is terrible. And then someone, whoever lives with us usually reminds us and says, um, it's yeah, time for you to have your period. And then you go, no, it's not. It is not. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm oh, sure gosh. many women can relate to that, but yeah, you, we just forget every time. And then you, you, people say, how can you forget? I don't know. It's just enough time to just forget, you know, like 28, yeah. 30 days. It's enough time to forget <laughs> and just go, uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with me. Why, why do I weigh like three kilos more all of a sudden? <laughs> what's going on? Ah! And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I hear. Yeah. Now, Nick, we've spoken a little bit about, you know, foods and trying to solve bloating. And I do need to touch on this concept of food anxiety. Yeah. Mm. Or nutritional confusion is, an, is a different way to describe it. And we see it far too often in uh, previous versions of the challenge. And then now with the rise method where folks would say things like, oh, I just don't know if I'm having the right foods for me um, or I'm really anxious around, you know, the nutrition side of things and finding the right foods to consume and things. And um, I need to come out and say that, you know, your body isn't like a puzzle where you need to find out the right quantities of the right foods. And if you don't, um, you know, you're a bad person or, you know, bad things are going to happen. Um, so if you are feeling really anxious about food or have that maybe uh, nutritional paralysis, lots of confusion, often nutrition is very simple. <laughs> like when you talk about it, when I teach it and put it on a paper, it's, it's very straightforward. And often we um, manifest it in our own minds as something that's really complex um, and multi-layered when it, it really isn't. And that leads to lots of hesitation um, and then lots of... Um, I guess, poor relationships with, with food. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I need to find the right foods for me, um, or I can't have X, Y, and Z, um, I've got to solve my, the puzzle of my body. It often isn't really a, a puzzle. Um, it's, you know, it's just something we need to nurture, which is our, our body. And it's not like having the right quantities of the right foods is going to solve all of our problems. Um, you would just need to fuel ourselves. So just be cautious if you're experiencing lots of nutritional confusion. And if you are, go check out Nutrition 101 just to get an overview of what nutrition is. Yeah, and also just when people are telling you what worked for them, don't forget that that's their own story. So um, you don't have to listen to everybody else. You know, mm -hmm. have have a bit of a discerning ear and eye about all of this as well and um, do your own research and it, that's that really pays off i think in the end absolutely mm. nick tell me how is your training going oh it's awesome my training is fantastic i'm having the time of my life um i am happy <laughs> i don't have anything exciting to tell you about it um which is that actually backs up what i was saying before so if i did have anything exciting then you would be able to question what i said before about that my training isn't is exciting <laughs> so, um, yeah nothing exciting is happening 
I wish I could tell you that it is. But it isn't. No, I love that. I, love I that. paid a little bit of um a a little bit of extra um on my bikini, which isn't to do with training, but um for the comp. So um I just paid off another little bit so so the order didn't get cancelled. <laughs> so that's gonna be nice. Um that's a win. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um yeah, I think that's a you know, uh when you start to get the things that you're going to wear on stage, you know, um, sorted, you know, that it's really going to happen. So that's great. So Nick, as you get closer to your comp, um, Mm. obviously, you know, you're potentially training harder or more focused in training and then you're consuming less food. Um, Mm. and it would be an assumption to make that you're probably experiencing some levels of like fatigue, feeling tired, um, and even stress leading up to the event, you know, you're stressed out. Okay. It's, you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks away. I want to do really well. It's just a competition, yada, yada. Um, mm. What do you do when you're going into training, feeling that little bit of like tiredness, a little bit of stress, a little bit of fatigue? Like what, how do you approach your training? Like, do you change anything? Do you try to keep it the same? Do you scale? Like what, what do you do? The same, um, unless it's dire, unless it's absolutely dire. But um, in general, I just need to give myself a good talking to because uh that is really, it sounds corny, but it, it's really mind over matter at that point because it is something that I choose to do. So I need to get my ass in there and do what's required. That's including the steps and anything else that's required to mm-hmm. get the result that I'm after. So I will not let myself um, deviate from what needs to be done in general. Um, yeah, so I don't really have a good answer for sort of look after yourself because in this sport, it's not really nothing about it's particularly healthy. It's a bit bit weird in a way, but um, you go into that funnel and you you do that. Um, I do I do have to say this time, um, outside stress is a little bit less because we don't have the app. Last year we had the app and that was very stressful with comp prep for some reason. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone remembers. <laughs> But um, yeah, just external, if, if external is really well controlled for me, that really helps as well, I think. Um, and yeah, so I, I tend to listen to podcasts on the way to the gym that will get me into the right mindset um, or songs. If I'm feeling pretty good and I don't want to listen to anyone talking, I'll listen to my favorite songs. And then I will have some sort of a beverage, be it a pre-workout or be it, um, you know, a, a um you know, a, a canned drink like a monster, uh, um, a no sugar monster, even though sugar's fine, but yeah, no, no sugar monster or even a Gatorade, you know, something that, like a treat for myself. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I get through. Although I've noticed that monsters certainly don't cut it when you're really, really pushing hard, they actually make you feel worse. Mm. So um, yeah, that's when they, when things start to make me feel worse, that's when I have to adjust again. Ah, Yeah. Right. So it's a little bit of like a, a mind over matter type approach when you're feeling that like fatigue kind of come in. Yeah, for for me, um, it it is because don't forget, like also I've I've done this uh, for a long time now. I choose to do it. It's almost like, in a way, I see it as my job. Mm. It, I don't know why, but I guess just what comes along with it is, um, you know, you, you learn a lot as well about um training and and what it can do. So um, I, I see it as my responsibility now. And also because because I'm older, you know, I, 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 I don't enter into it lightly. So um, it's sort of a non-negotiable for me. And also I do do it generally as best I can as early as possible. So as long as I've had a decent night's sleep, I shouldn't be too fatigued, even if I'm super hungry. But um, I should also manage my food so I'm not super hungry. So like I'll have a, a bigger meal around training so I'm not super hungry you know and then later on I might have to taper down a bit but um, that's another strategy as well Mm -hmm. you know eat around the training yeah right um so when you go to train are you expecting like the same performance um when you're maybe fatigued tired or, or stressed to when you're like not fatigued tired and stressed are you expecting the same output from you it's funny because my my mind is the ruler of this. So I can walk in feeling on top of the world, thinking that I'm eating a bit, um, not even in a in a calorie deficit, you know, like with all the energy in the world, and I might still have a shit session because my head's not in the game. 
So um, for me, it's really to do with, because it's a brief amount of time. It's like an hour a day. So I, I can always afford within myself the energy to do better every time. However, like we, we're not talking at this point, I won't be doing a one rep max. So it's sort of, it's, it's hard to really quantify if I've improved. I mean, other than looking at, you know, volume and, and, and slight increases, but it's all really about managing, not um, decreasing things because, you know, if your weights start to go right down, you know, that something's going wrong. Mm. Yeah. I think you certainly nailed it where um, I think sometimes those external variables, like we don't always have control over um, and, you know, let's say like, myself um if my son doesn't want to sleep or we get the the old gastro through the house um or you know on a particular day i might have a few things on my mind when i go and train i might not have complete control over those things i do get to choose mm. how i respond to some of those things um mm. mindset wise um but sometimes i simply don't like if i you know only had a few hours of broken sleep the night before i'm tired right and again i'm not a bad person it, it happens I and mean, what am i going to do on one side of things, I can mentally overcome it and say, okay, I'm, I'm beyond this. Um, another side of it, I can stimulate to the eyeballs and, and, you know, take all the caffeine and, and, and go and do it. Um, but the, there is a point where I need to go, okay, I can't expect, you know, elite level performance today because of external factors that I might not have been able to completely control. And that's okay. And you get to decide, or I can either hang up the towel and just go and rest today. And uh, it's not for me. And sometimes that's the right decision. Sometimes you go, well, I just, it is not worked out today. Um, I, if I do go to the gym, it's not going to be any more effort than if I just do the dishes at home. That's, that's about as much energy as I have right now. That's okay. We might just hang it off for another day. That's fine. Um, but there reaches a point where we go, okay, we might need to do something. What are we going to do? Okay. We can go to the gym and we just modify it slightly. So instead of training at a 10 out of 10 effort, which is what we might expect of ourselves, we might go in and say, okay, I'm going to do 50% of my effort. I know it's not going to be the best workout in the world, but I'm going to go in and do something. Um, and I think if we approach it like that and say, Hey, instead of my speed bump, or is that I'm always busy, I'm always tired where, you know, you've got lots going on in your life. We've all got things going on in our life. If you wait until everything is perfect, as soon as things kind of speed up again and things start being thrown at you, you won't be able to keep doing it. So if you take that moment, understand how you can scale your program and go, hey, like even if I'm tired, I can mentally get over this. I can go in and I can do something. I can go and get a pump. Maybe I train at a five out of 10 effort, only train for 20 minutes, get something in there. And on this day, I know that I was a little bit busy, but I know long-term consistency and sustainability is going to trump um, that's the main takeaway. And Nick, being a decade, decade long in or more into your fitness career, you know, hey, I, I know how to overcome this myself. Um, but some folks, it can be the reason why they're unable to stay consistent is that things get they're challenging, things get tough, think, and they're, they're tired, stressed. Life is a thing <laughs> that we have to manage. Yeah. Um, it's about what are you going to do to keep on going? And do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a funny way that I used to do it? This is way back. I used to make myself go into the gym by getting paid to do it. So like taking the classes, the spin classes, because I didn't feel like doing it, not when the kids were little and stuff, but then it, it was like, if I get paid to do this, I better bloody well show up. So yeah. um, that, that was, that's a good way to do it. And um, I know that people are always looking for people in the fitness industry. So if, if you're really stuck, take a job doing it and then you have to turn up. <laughs> Love that. That's extreme, isn't it? But yeah. just if anyone's thinking of it, you know, it's a yeah. good way to, to make sure you show up. Yeah. You come do my uh, Cert 3 and 4 in fitness and get, get into the career. That's it. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Study with Coach Steve. You'll, you'll be getting a lot more than your Cert 3 and 4 with you, right? Like it'd be. Might as well um, get your bachelor's. We're on the master's. That's it. We're, we're on the way. Yeah. I'm thinking that, that people will get extra edumacation. Edumacation. They get really mm -hmm. smirt, SMRT. Yeah, for sure. Not Nick, small. Tell me, uh, do you have deadlifts in your program right now? I was actually uh, going to say I've just started to do, um, well, I don't necessarily call it straight leg. It's like stiff leg, which is the same thing, isn't it? Straight, straight. 
leg deadlift. So yeah, I've been doing RDLs, but I just um tried the straight leg, uh, and it's very different. My hamstrings are on fire. On fire. Um, mm. yeah, I was gonna say, you know, like definitely a conversation that comes up often is the different types of deadlifts. You know, mm. Romanian deadlift, stiff leg deadlift, straight leg deadlift, you know, a snatch grip deadlift. Um, you know, then you go to the traditional deadlift, sumo deadlift, lots of types of mm. deadlifts. And you think how many times is you got to deadlift something? Um, but essentially a deadlift is just picking something off the ground. And we could do that a few different ways. Mm. Um, I thought we'd just uh, take a moment to just maybe talk about the different ideas around different types of deadlifts. And on one hand of the conversation, you can get really caught up in the semantics of it. And go, oh, well, you know, the RDL has to be like this and the straight leg deadlift has to be like this and the stiff leg has to be like this and it has to be off the floor or it has to be off the starting from up high, blah, 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 blah. But I think if you zoom out for a moment and think about the reason why you would do those types of exercises, you know, what's the 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 purpose of it, it makes a bit more sense. And whatever you decide to call it, maybe call it your own deadlift style. I'm just doing the Steve deadlift, you know, it's my own thing. Um, that might be a better way to think about it because of the purpose you're trying to do. So mm. I think the first two camps you could sit on is if the, the type of deadlift you're doing is like an accessory to like a conventional deadlift because you're a strength athlete. So if you are maybe doing um, team strong, you're a power lifter, something like that, and you want to get better at the deadlift, the deadlift, you might choose to do an accessory like movement to replicate something, uh, a part of the deadlift. And that could be where something like the RDL fits in nicely. You know, the RDL traditionally starts from a, uh, the top position, standing up tall, you lower the barbell until maybe around like that knee height position, you get a little bit of a knee bend with that motion, and then you're standing back up. So it's replicating maybe like that, that lockout type portion of the deadlift, maybe, right? Then on the flip side, you might be choosing to do a deadlift to challenge a muscle. And then you can kind of go into like, which muscle group are you challenging? So a straight leg deadlift where the leg is straight, straight, you know, your knees are like locked out straight, um, really puts a massive stretch on the hamstrings. So as you go through the deadlift pattern, you get a really big stretch on the hamstrings and you come back up. So that could be really, hamstring focused deadlift to me it's a better way to describe it hamstring focused deadlift then if you did like a stiff leg deadlift with a slight bend in the knee the leg stays stiff you're getting a lot more hip flexion so the glutes go on a bigger stretch so that might be a bit more of a glute dominant deadlift pattern so that could be maybe a glute dominant deadlift all right um but that doesn't mean that the rdl doesn't train the glutes it's just maybe a different purpose right so if we start thinking about all right what mine what, what what's the purpose of this movement um what's the goal of this movement and then that might help you to make that decision so when you're thinking about straight leg stiff leg rdl snatch grip deficit elevator deadlift um it's all about you know what's the purpose and those slight differences might make you make up your own almost deadlift so that you can do the steve deadlift or the nick deadlift so you can get a more focus on the hamstring or the glute or the low back or a better deadlift or whatever you decide to do yeah, I hope that your focus is never trying to impress randoms on the internet because that's never going to happen either. <laughs> like, oh, you, that's not the right style. And it's like that person has probably never lifted anything in their lives. And it's like, um, you know, they're telling someone, um, you know, someone that, that bloody makes their living out of doing it. Oh, that's not right. I don't like the way that you lifted that. Yeah, your armchair lifters, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, that's the only reason that you should not do a deadlift um, to impress anyone else. Other than that, so it's, good. it's fair game. <laughs> Nick, I just want to uh, wrap up episode number six to celebrate our all-stars for week two. Um, mm -hmm. So they are, we have uh, Liz Bogdan and Liz has done a lot of, of the weekly check-ins, really active on the forum and the Facebook group and it's kicking goals. So congratulations to Liz. We have Travis Stewart. Again, Travis really active across, um, we have our social medias with an S. I think he's on uh, Facebook, Instagram. He's on the social hub and the membership site. He's done a whole range of check-ins with us. Um, he's also done all the coursework for the uh, Nutrition 101. So congratulations to Travis. 
Joe very similar. And the thing I love about Joe is just posting lots of videos about him training, which stimulated mm. the question around like straight leg deadlift, RDL, that type of thing. So he's posting lots of videos of him training, getting in the gym, focusing on getting stronger and part of team strong. So go Joe, congratulations on being one of our all-stars for the week. Yeah, Joe's amazing with um, the way that he he will uh, always sort of question stuff and, um, you know, just puts himself out there. Good on him. Uh, Julie, similarly, doing lots of our weekly check-ins um, all over our membership site and just kicking goals. So congratulations to Julie, um, Julie Brown. And then finally, we have Charlene Pinchback. And Charlene is, again, a little bit all over the place. Um, we've got Facebook, membership site, she's all over Instagram, and she is a personal trainer as well. So Nick, she's coming for our job, Charlene, but I'm no, scared. I, I would say anybody in the fitness space, we need more people in, in the fitness area, um, you know, helping out other folks to improve their fitness and health is always a win. So go Charlene. And maybe yeah. if you are near Charlene, you need some support, maybe you can reach out to her um, for her services. Charlene Pinchback, I'm not too sure what her handle is on Instagram, but hopefully she's- yeah, comment below, that. comment below, let us know. <laughs> but yes, if you go to um, rise.method on Instagram and look at us on Instagram, she's often shared in our stories. So you'll be able to find Charlene Pinchback there. Um, and she's also really awesome on the um, membership area in the social hub, asking lots of questions, um, like, you know, when do you like to train and that, that type of thing. So uh, make sure you join the conversation in the social hub on the membership site well that's really good yay so good but look nick um let's wrap it up there for episode number six of the rise method podcast if you enjoyed this episode let us know and we'll catch you next week for episode number seven see you everybody